Really? I can't get on uncom- like I can't get comfortable on the toilet because like it hurts like it hurts like like literally in the in there. Yeah. What's up, everybody? I am Jalen Suits, the host and founder of Sit Down with Swaggy Suits, and today we brought back Isaac Bullard to talk sports and life with us. Bull, we're both in pain from working out, man. How has the working out been going for you? Man, this week one, uh, I'm starting to regret it, but I mean, I guess that's a good thing if you're starting to regret it, so I can't complain too much, bro. Yeah, man, I've been working out for about two, three months now. But I've been doing some serious workouts now. I did that Jonathan Majors challenge on I saw on TikTok. Nah, <laughs> man, my legs hurt so bad, man. Like my I'll legs. I let you keep that. Man, I don't know how he did that like every day, but that junk hurts. That junk hurts. But hey, I'm getting bigger though. Yes, Lord. I'm getting bigger, so that's the goal. So we're gonna jump into this podcast. Boom! Last night, the Boston Celtics beat the Miami Heat one hundred sixteen to ninety nine. Jason Tatum led the Celtics with thirty three points. Bull, can the Celtics make this a series? Honestly, I think they can. Um, it's gonna be hard for Miami to win three games in a row at at Boston. You know, it's gonna be a rowdy crowd uh, at uh, well in Boston. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be very hard for Miami to win that game. So I think. If Boston can get themselves one more game, then it can be interesting. It puts a lot of pressure on Miami to perform for game six. Yeah. I definitely think this it's, it's possible. The biggest reason why Boston was losing is, number one, Miami was not turning the ball over. This Last night was the most turnovers Miami had this series. Mm-hmm. Second of all, Jason Tatum yesterday scored his first field goal in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He didn't score no field goals in the fourth quarter in games one, two, or three. But this game, he was scoring, and it was an efficient. It was like Miami had went into a zone, and then Jason Tatum came in, and he hit that elbow side at the free throw line, and they just went crazy from there. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do. And if my if you're turning over the ball, you're going to lose. Right. You're, you're just going to lose. But with this Boston team, what do they need other than Jason Tatum to get them over this hump? I mean, I think the biggest thing is consistency, and that's with and without Tatum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston, for the majority of the year, was a very consistent team. I mean, they're the second seed in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, they pride themselves on having a lot of puzzle pieces. They have the six men of the year, really good starting core. Really, They have another second team All-NBA guy. So, I mean, just getting consistency from their main guys, you know, the big money makers, I think is going to make things a lot easier on, you know, guys like Tatum and, you know, the rest of the team. Yeah. Uh, here's a question for you. Who has been more at fault, Joe Mazzula or the dynamic stars in Tatum and Brown of why they're down 3-1? Well, I mean, I, I hate to put anything, like, specifically on, like, just the coaches, but, I mean, it's it's all about game plan. It's about, all about adjustments that are made within the game, but also it all comes down to performing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Joe Mazzula can't go out there and, and you do know, it. perform for them, but he can also make adjustments. So I think – you know, collectively, like as a team, they all kind of, res- you know, accept that responsibility of, you know, the position they've put themselves in. Yeah. The one thing that I don't like about the Celtics 
is that they live and die by the three. Mm -hmm. If they're not making their threes, they're most likely not going to win. And it's like yesterday, I feel like with Jason Tatum, you have to get him his mid-range shots. You have to draw plays for him to get him lose, get the mid-range shots going. Because once you get mid-range, you're on. Mm -hmm. Like, you're on. Because if you're hitting contested mid-range at that, that means your free throw's on. Jason Tatum can dribble. We all know he can create his own shot. And that just opens the floor for everybody else. But the one adjustment I think they need to make is making Rod Williams more, get him more PT. Mm -hmm. Get him more PT because what he does as a player is not only defensive-wise, but I know it's a it's not an asset to have him on the offensive side because most likely you're, they're going to run a five out. And they want – you need a suitor, which Al Horford can. Mm -hmm. But he's younger – and he gives you more energy yeah. and stuff like that. And lately, Jimmy Butler has been calling for that matchup. Right. But I'd rather have Williams on him than Al Horford. Mm -hmm. So you never know, but Joe, it's like, not Joe, Joe Mazzullo, ever since he's been coaching, it hasn't been the same. Like, this Celtics team is not the same Celtics team that they were last year. For sure. Like, when they had Emi Odoka, they looked really good. Like, they just wasn't just shooting threes and stuff. But now... It seemed like the Celtics just live and die by the three, and that is not going to get you anywhere in these playoffs if you live and die by the three. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like who you have winning this next game. The next game is tomorrow, 730 on TNT. Who you got winning? I mean, so, honestly, like, my gut is telling me to go with the Celtics for sure because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's in Boston, but I would not be surprised if Miami comes out and just absolutely outperforms Boston because, mm -hmm. I mean, they've been impressive all throughout the playoffs. They've proven that they're not, you know, a typical eight seed. So I wouldn't be 100% surprised if Miami wins this next game. I think Miami's going to win it. And I don't want to say it's going to be a blowout, but my gut is telling me it's going to be a blowout, but my mind is telling me they're going to win by like maybe six. Mm -hmm. Just because knowing Jimmy Butler and seeing his face, the face that he had, I'm like, he didn't really have the best games last night. Like, if you watch the game, like, the numbers might be like, okay, good. But if you watch the game, he really didn't have a great game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's going to come out and so out. It depends on Gabriel, though. Uh, he hurt his ankle. Yeah. yeah, He twisted his own ankle. So, it depends on how much he can do because he produces a lot for that team. Yeah. And I hate to say this, but I feel like Tyler Hero going out was a good thing for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, Tyler Hero adds a lot of scoring, but I, I was seeing the guys on, you know, ESPN talk about it as well, but just, you know, everybody else embracing their role, you know, mm -hmm. everybody knowing what Jimmy and Bam are for the team, you know, they're the two stars, they're the two all-stars, but, you know, the role players, you know, really honing into their role and accepting uh, whatever the defense is giving them is a big part of why Miami's been successful, and, mm -hmm. you know, when you have a guy like Tyler Hero, of course, that adds more scoring, but, I mean... I mean, they're a game away from the finals without him. So. Yeah, which is crazy. And I feel like this game, I know I said the Celtics live and die by the three-point, but I feel like this game is going to be dependent on Miami is hitting the three-pointers mm -hmm. because Jimmy Butler is not going to force up threes. That's just not him. But Duncan Robertson and Strauss, I think that's his name for Miami, mm -hmm. if they get to going, yeah, ain't, I mean, ain't no stopping them. And it's all about, it's not about just, you know, making threes. It's about, you know, producing good shots. And that's, yeah. that comes with Jimmy and Bam being aggressive. I know Bam, I think, had a – he was a game uh, – an assist away from a triple-double in game mm -hmm. three. You know, like, they're they're both really good and talented passers. So, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, their aggression generates 
better shots for the you know the three point shooters. So I think they just need to continue doing that. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be a good game. Everybody, that game comes on tomorrow on TNT at seven thirty. But now going into our next topic, of uh, we seen players like Draymond Green, Kyrie Irving, and Paul George speaks on mental health. And according to Mental Health America, I found this interesting. At least six million men suffer from depression, and a little less than half seek treatment. And mental health is a big thing. But as men, I feel like we don't speak upon it because of our pride. You know, I don't care who out here listening. If you're a man, you know you got a pride. Like, you feel like, oh, I'm a man. I'm good. You know, and I can admit I was down. I'd been down that road, too. But as a player, have you ever been through something mentally and feel like you had to just forget about it and perform? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, on every level of sports, there's like there's going to be a pressure where you feel like you have to perform. Mm-hmm. And when you're not performing, it, it affects how you, you know, go about it. Like, I mean, it takes a it takes a strong mind to just, you know, forget about a bad game, mm-hmm. you know, right after it happens. I mean, and especially for these professional athletes, you know, their their salary is based on, you know, well, the the consistency of their pay and contracts. Right. It depends on how well they perform and how their family eats and how their family supported. So, I mean, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of, you know, stress that comes into playing well, and that's on any level. Yeah, but not just only playing well. I'm talking about, like, you're going through something mentally outside of basketball. Mm-hmm. When you're playing, like, you have a game coming up. Do you have to, like, try to dump that out the window and forget about it? Or as a player, like, you, speaking about you, not as all players, as you, do you still have to deal with that and play? I mean... If you ever had that situation. For me personally, I feel like you kind of have to, before you can, you know, move past it, you kind of have to accept it. You have to Mm -hmm. accept that something's going on and, you know, just own it Mm -hmm. before you try to, like, come up with all these different answers for it. So I feel like I wouldn't be allowed to, I wouldn't be allowing myself to, you know, play well or, you know, think positive if I don't accept that I'm going through something. Right. And going to the game knowing that. I'm struggling with something off the court, if that makes sense. Right. Like, completely, you know, being vulnerable within yourself, I feel like will allow you to, you know, deal with it Mm -hmm. more. See, and that's a big thing. Just not only men, but just depressing and going through stuff in general. The number one thing to do to get over it is accept it. Like that's just that's just life. Like if you're going through something, the longer you're in denial, the longer you're gonna go through it. But once you can accept that you're going through something, that's step one into you know getting out of that stage. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I I can't speak on it as an athlete. So I'm just like I want to know like as an athlete. I don't know what you're if you ever been through something like that or anything. But I'm just like man, like how does that affect you playing? Like do you feel like sluggish? You feel slow? Like, how does that feel? So, for me personally, I have my best games when I'm emotional or, like, sad or down. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have my best games because I'm a big overthinker. And yeah, so when me I'm, too. When I'm not thinking about basketball or, like, performing as my main priority, mm-hmm. I, that allows me to, you know, perform best because, you know, it's a mental game. But I know, I know for other people that can inform their play negatively, uh, that can affect their play negatively. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And um, you were saying, like, you're in your head and stuff. Now, we was talking about this off camera or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. What songs are you listening to 
going into like you're going through it, right? Mm-hmm. What songs are you listening to? Bro, I'm listening to everything, any and everything that, you know, I guess makes me feel something, you know, like so there's a lot of genres of music. There's a lot of different moods and mood swings that go about. But anything that's kind of like slower paced or just allows me to really, you know, connect with the lyrics and kind of institute it into my life. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I, you know, I tend to run to. Yeah, definitely. When I when I listen to music now, like music has helped me through a lot sure. recently. And I'm like, when like, you actually pay attention to the lyrics I'll be like, man, this is a really good song. You know what I'm saying? So I want to get your top five, like songs that slow pace R&B or not R&B, just slow pace where the lyrics mean something to you. Man. I want to get your top five. Top, I'll give you a top five right now because okay. it changes every week. Like there's, True, true. There's different, you know, I add songs to my playlist. True. So I've got Lovely by Billie Eilish and Khalid. Okay. Right now I've got... Um, Yellow by Coldplay. That's an older song. I haven't heard of that one. Maybe I have. And then I've got I've got some Luke Combs. I got Beautiful Crazy and One Number Away by Luke Combs. And then I've got uh, Cover Me Up and Seven Summers by Morgan Wallen. Those are like the those are big ones. Yeah. Those are big. Ones. So for me, I've been listening to a whole bunch of old Chris Brown. Yeah. So, uh. What's that song we were just saying? You said that you saw my story. Up to you. Up to you. Yeah. That's one. I want to be by yeah. Chris Brown. That's the one. I can't make you love me by Tank. That's the one. That's the one. I've been listening to a whole bunch of Giveon too. Mm-hmm. So I got to find that song that Giveon had. I was like, oh yeah, this is this is all me. Still your best. <laughs> Still, still your best. I have my moments with that one. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, Love You Too Much by Lucky Day. Yeah. And um, I think I have one more if I don't. But it was this one song that was really getting me. Cool by Daniel Caesar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't listen to that one if you're sad because that's going to get you crying for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to get you crying for sure. But back to the topic. I dislocated my pinky finger three times. Since I've been in college. And I tell you, that did something to my mental health. Yeah. Because I'm like, why in the world do I keep dislocating this same finger? Yeah. Like, I dislocated the same finger three times. And I'm not even an athlete. I just be playing for fun. Yeah. And I dislocated. Like, my, if you look at my pinky right now, it looked like the curly fry that nobody wants at the bottom of the front, at the bottom of the back. <laughs> like, my pinky is literally hanging on by a thread. Have you ever been through an injury that messed up your mental? I mean, I, I'm so thankful that I haven't really, you know, went through a major injury like right. later on into my career, like where I missed significant time. Like, I mean, I, I broke a wrist the last game of eighth grade basketball season, so I didn't really miss a lot of time. Right. I broke a wrist in fourth grade when I really wasn't, you know, deep into sports like that. So I haven't really missed significant time playing sports with an injury, but I do know how it can kind of get you down. You, you question why. Yeah, why? <laughs> I break my finger just, it don't make sense how I break my finger. Yeah. Like, the first time I broke my finger, I don't even, well, dislocated, I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Don't even remember. I was just coming off a screen, don't know how my hand got there, and it's <laughs> dislocated. The second time, 
I stole the ball. Mm-hmm. No, I stole the ball. My hand was fine. I passed the ball, and somebody was trying to, you know, steal the ball while I'm passing it. Mm-hmm. And I guess they hit my finger, and it just dislocated. And that one I felt immediately. Yeah. And you looked, it, it was turned like an acute angle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, dang, bro. Like, you you know how you bend your straw? You yeah. go to, yeah, that's how it looked. I, yeah. I was like, bro. And like, I'm so competitive, I still want to play. Mm-hmm. But I felt it. But when I looked down, I was like, yeah, it's time to stop. It's, it's time, time to, to stop. Yeah, and the third time I was just playing old man basketball, something we have here at Dallas Baptist, and I dislocated it trying to get a rebound. I literally just grabbed the rebound and it just, and I'm like, bruh. So I think that's why sports ain't for me. Yeah, you'll catch me behind this mic in in front of a camera. <laughs> I can't get hurt that way. Doing I, what you do. I can't get hurt that way. That's that's a good one. So good thing for you, you ain't been hurt like that, but. You know, a dislocated finger, that's an easy one. Yeah. It's an easy one. It, it's not, it hurts, but that's an easy one. For sure. But now we're going to get into a topic that I know that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. The Los Angeles Lakers was swept by the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> and in LeBron's post-conference, he said, and I quote, I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And just for me personally, going forward, the game of basketball, I got a lot to think about. Do you think LeBron will retire this offseason? No. I there is no part of me that thinks LeBron is going to retire. Thank you. Not all. Thank you. Thank you. Just because that's random. Yeah. It's just, he's upset about the loss. He's, I mean, it's, it's regular human activity to be upset and you say stuff that you don't really mean. I I mean, but nobody knows the message behind what he was saying. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the context, but him. So, I mean, you can't really try to make too much about it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is probably one of the most durable athletes we've ever seen. So, yeah, for him to call it quits out of nowhere, you know, I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see that. See, I have a talent of where I can read minds. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is what LeBron James meant, but this is what I think he meant. I got a lot to think about with being with the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm tired of losing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old to be scoring 40 points and still losing. Mm-hmm. Therefore, with that being said, I got a lot to think about with my future with the Los Angeles Lakers. See, my my thought process is as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm thinking maybe he's thinking about like I know he has that significant foot injury. Yes. So going forward with the game of basketball, meaning like what the surgery look like, what does it look like for his recovery time, what does it look like, you know, for his off season. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like all of that has to come into play, not necessarily switching teams or you know, retiring from basketball. Because I think, I mean, his heart's in Los Angeles, you know. Yeah. Bronny just committed. Bronny just committed. So yeah. I don't see a reason for him to leave, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you guys don't know LeBron James, he, we don't still don't know. It was like a bad foot injury that he occur, occurred versus the Dallas Mavericks earlier in the season. And it was projected that he might miss the whole season. I mean, a lot of, I think, what I saw is a lot of doctors said he should have been out for the rest of the year because of the li- ligament damage. Yes, and somehow this man did not have surgery, nothing, and just did natural treatment. He came back mm-hmm. and did his thing. But me personally, I think he put so much on his body trying to break Kareem's record. And once you're playing, you're playing. Like LeBron James is used to playing high pace, freak athlete. You can't do that no more. Like once Father Nature come, Mother Nature come and get you, it's gonna get you. Like his body is just telling him, like I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, we both know LeBron James still one of the best drivers in the game. 
one of the best dunkers in the game. Mm-hmm. The best blocker, chase down blocker in the game. So he's doing all this and putting all this on his body. And I'm just like, man, like it is finally catching up to him. See, my thing is like, I've, I've seen a lot of, like he had a couple, well, he had a, a good amount of bad games against Denver, um, in my opinion. But a lot of people are talking about, you know, mother, uh, father time coming back to haunt him. But the good moments he has, nobody's really stopping Nobody talks him. about that. Like, nobody's really stopping him from getting to the rim. Nobody. Like, nobody's really stopping him from getting the shot he wants. Mm-hmm. The shot he wants. Not yeah. the shot the team needs. The shot he wants at the time. Mm-hmm. Nobody's really, you know, stopping him from, you know, just putting his head down, getting to the bucket, drawing a foul, or getting an assist. But it's just like, I mean, I guess maybe the wear and tear on his body is, mm-hmm. is what's stopping him. I, I've always been the, the firm believer that, He's the only one stopping himself, not, you know, Father Time. Yeah, literally. Like, um, there's a couple games where he had some quote-unquote bad games with people saying he's the leader scorer. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. If he's having a quote-unquote bad game and he's still leading the team in scoring, yeah. then something is going on. But I do believe he was playing this whole playoffs through injury. Yeah. For the, the, that's the for later half of the year. Yeah, for sure. He's playing – through injury and the fact that he can still do that and like this man he dropped 40 points did he get 10 rebounds too 40 points 10 rebounds 9 assists I think I knew I see Isaac gonna know all LeBron stats so <laughs> I don't need to look it up <laughs> but Isaac's gonna know all LeBron stats he did all that and I saw on Twitter everybody's like oh yeah he's not that dynamic player no more and I'm like what game are you watching <laughs> we must not be on the same channel cause he just scored 40 with a bum ankle. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy the stuff that this man can do at his age with his body. Yeah. And I wish I had some of his money so I can use all that to my body because <laughs> <laughs> I need it. But why do you think the Lakers got swept? Bro, I think Denver's just a better team. You know, like yeah. a better team. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go, if you compare roster to roster, you may see. Los Angeles maybe has more talent, mm-hmm. but that's so that's such a common case. Like just because you have more talent on a team doesn't mean your yeah, team is better. Is a better team than the next. I think Denver is the best team remaining. Like yes, you know, I, don't, I think they have Nikola Jokic. They have you know Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. Very talented. They have a very talented core. Mm-hmm. Everything, but they they're not the most talented team left in the playoffs. I mean, right. they don't. Yeah, they're not the most talented team left in the playoffs right now. But they mm-hmm. are the best. You know, as far as just you know, handling adversity, making adjustments, mm-hmm. you know, in-game adjustments, off off-court adjustments. You know, they just—I feel like they have everything figured out on who they are. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that was too much for the Lakers to handle at that time. Yeah, I have a couple reasons. Number one, I'm gonna agree with what you said. The Denver Nuggets is a better team because they play better together. Mm-hmm. This team was together basically the whole year. And they was number one in the Western Conference the whole year. And I've been seeing like, oh, Jamal Murray's a great number two. Jamal Murray's a great number two. We got to realize Jamal Murray really isn't like, yes, he's like, he's not better than Jokic, but he's just not your typical number two. Like before his injury, Jamal Murray was one of the best point, one of the best point guards. He was up there, at least in the top 10 mm-hmm. of point guards in the NBA. And his injury happened. He came back, but he's still been dominant. Like, Jamal Murray is a player. He's a real point guard. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I told somebody at work, I was like, if Aaron Gordon, he gives you more than 15, they're going to win. Yeah. 
they're going to win. Because I feel like for the Denver Nuggets, their key player, you know Jokic is going to do his thing. You're not stopping him. Jamal Murray is going to do what he has to do. If Aaron Gordon comes out and do what he has to do, you have a problem. Shoot, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr., Jr. and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Those yeah. are big, big pieces. Those are big, big pieces. pieces. Not not real big names, but big pieces. Big pieces. Big pieces. Very, so I'm like, the last game, I think Aaron Gordon had 24 points. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this game's over. Because <laughs> I, I, I told them, like, if he scores more than 15, it's wraps. Yeah. It's wraps. And I, the last point, and I'm going to get into this heavy, because I said it on my last part on my podcast, and people just don't be taking me serious. So I'm finna tell y'all. I said D'Angelo Russell was the biggest key point for the Los Angeles Lakers. Because you know LeBron's going to do what he has to do. You got to worry about if AD's going to be consistent, if he's going to be on that night. But most of the time, he, he will. He'll he'll provide. Not only on the offensive he's always going to provide on the defensive side. You just got to worry about the offensive side. D'Angelo Russell was going to be what you have to worry about. And I'm finna run down these stats. Game run, D'Angelo Russell had eight points. 4 of 11 from Sudan. 0 for 3 from 3-point range. Minus 25 and a plus minus. That is horrible. <laughs> Game 2, 33 minutes. 10 points. 3 of 8 field goals. And uh, 1 of 5 out of 3-point range. Better, still not good enough as a starting point guard. Game 3, 3 points. 1 of 8 from field goal. 1 of 6 from 3-point range. That is horrible. It got so bad that he got benched Game 4. And in game four, he had 15 minutes, four points. Mm-hmm. That is your starting point guard doing that. And I'm like, a point guard is not all about points. Mm-hmm. But we all know D'Angelo Russell loves to score. Mm-hmm. And he's going to score. That's why I was like, he needs to produce. He needs to produce. And not only can he score, but he he's good off the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. But in this series, he was going off the pick and roll, dribbling around. I'm like, bro, make a decision. Like, he's going out the pick and roll. He's literally running around, the, not running, dribbling around the baseline, trying to decide if he's going to lob it or shoot it. Mm-hmm. You have the ball in your hands too long. You just wasted a key 10 seconds of the possession. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that was the biggest, my three reasons why they got swept. I thought they was going to at least get one game. I was like, good God, y'all got y'all got some nuggets? Yeah, <laughs> like game, that? After game three, I was, I was like, all right. This is it's over. Yeah. It's over. And when Le- LeBron came out hot that first half, yeah, I was like, oh, we might have a chance. But I, I literally said to myself, I said, if it's a close game, they're not yeah. winning. Denver Denver just showed how, like, they're, like, just how well of a team, you know, how well coached they are, you know, how well they perform. They, mm-hmm. they showed a lot of maturity, you know, handling that adversity. Yeah. Denver, that's the first time they ever be, uh, got past the conference finals. First time they're going to the finals. And I think they can win it. I I I think they're going to win it. I think they're going to win it. And this has been a big topic too. And I want to get your opinion. Because a lot of people need to realize the MVP award is given for the regular season. Right. Not the playoffs. Right. So do you think Embiid still deserves his MVP? No, I mean I it's it's been up in the air for the past two years. You know, a lot of people will argue that he got robbed one of these past two years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not surprised they gave it to him. But the way that Nikola Jokic has been playing after that award has been announced has almost, like, yeah. put him in a crazy different category than mm-hmm. Joel Embiid. Like, but, I mean, it like you said, it's a regular season award. So, I, I understand Joel Embiid 
earning it. You know, he's a monster. He's unstoppable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, I guess his playoff performance the last couple games didn't leave too good of a taste in other people's minds. Yeah. As far as him being the league MVP. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I feel like, yeah, he deserved it because he played the best during the regular season. Mm -hmm. But, man, Jokic has been on it. On it, and he was doing this still mm-hmm. during the regular season, but now he's like he took it up to a different level, and it's just like man, like yeah. he he's he's really like that. And not, my thing about Jokic is what I love about him. Even if he doesn't score one point, he gonna have a double double. <laughs> he's still gonna get ten rebounds at least, and he's still gonna get ten assists. And my thing is he's so big, and they trust him enough to dribble up the court and be a number one. Yeah. That's hard to find. That's hard to find. If I'm a coach and my center dribbling up the court, get the ball out your hand, man. You too big for that. And it's crazy because, not to joke on him enough, but he runs so sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> he runs so sloppy and I'm like, it works. He's in such control of the game. Yeah. Like, he's he's a true floor general. At yeah. Seven foot. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, I was uh, listening the first take today. That man is shooting thirty seven percent from the three point line. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. But, I mean, the game is changing though. Like that's that's what the game is now. Yeah, you have big men that shoot the ball well. They can r- run the floor. That can give you ten assists on any given night. You know, that's he's he's the prototype of what the game is about to become. Yeah. So that's gonna get me to my next topic. We've been talking about Embiid. We've been talking about Jokic. The uh, projected number one pick, Victor Vamuana. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> but that dude, yeah. What do you think he's going to do? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say, but he's, I mean, he's clearly blessed and very, very special, it looks like. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I hope he has the right people in his corner. I hope he's got, you know, he takes this blessing he has very seriously, um, you know, because not a lot of people can say that they were probably the easiest number one pick mm-hmm. in, you know, NBA history. But, I mean, it's a lot, like like we talked about earlier, it's a lot of pressure to perform. It's a lot of, you know, expectations for him. But I just hope he has the right people in his corner, you know, the right trainers and the right mindset, uh, allowing him to, you know, reach that satisfactory potential for other people watching him. Facts, facts. I think he's going to do good. But at the same time, he's going to get bullied. <laughs> he gonna get bullied when he play Jokic, bullied. He play Embiid, bullied. He play Adebayo, bullied. <laughs> I'm trying to think of just name all the centers off the top of my head, man. That would just bully him because he's just so small. Yeah. Like he's tall, but he is he's he's small. But I mean, that's regular though. Like he's he's gonna be a 19 year old rookie. That there's yeah, it comes with growing pains. You yeah, know, he's seven five. He's taller than everybody, but that doesn't mean he's you know, given the the strength, mm-hmm. like he was blessed with the height. So, I mean, that's growing pains. Of course, it's not going to be a whole career of him just being bullied. He's going to make adjustments. I feel like. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, I, it, he will have to it's go gonna, some dominant centers. Yeah, you know, to really make his mark. Yeah, it's going to be big and for the San Antonio Spurs. It's crazy how he's projected number one, and we I've seen all these posts acting like he got drafted yet. Like. Essentially, has been essentially drafted. just about been drafted. Already. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's like, bro, I I never seen that like this before. <laughs> like since LeBron, I guess. Yeah. Because like everybody's like, oh, they put him in the jerseys, ESPN, and posted him. Like 
in the Spurs jersey. All, everything. I'm like, bro, the draft ain't even happened this yet. This has been the first. Well, this has been like the most unanimous number one pick since LeBron. Yeah. Sure. Like it's it's already set in stone. Like there's been drafts like like maybe when Zion was drafted and other guys where it's like, okay, yeah, he's mm-hmm. going to be number one, but something could happen. Some, no, yeah. There's no doubt about this. It would take some outlandish stuff to happen for him not to go number one. Yeah, so. that's great. What is your expectation for the Spurs next year with that addition? I mean, bro, it's he's he's a nineteen year old coming in. I can't expect him to win fifty, sixty games. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a it, at the end of the day, like he's a project. He's not finished. You have to give you know, Greg Popovich is probably the greatest coach in NBA history. So you have to allow him time to work with him and build a roster around him. You know, they have a lot of young talent. So I mean, I I don't have too many you know crazy expectations for them if mm-hmm. they're good. I'm not surprised because, you know, they've got a talented roster. But if they're not good, I'm not surprised also because, you know, they're young and they're they're building something special. Facts. Facts. I agree. I agree. But that is going to conclude this episode. Everybody, that was Isaac Willard. We want to thank you for coming back on the episode. On the show, not the episode. Thank you for coming back on the show. You was one of the most loved guests earlier in the in the semester so we have to bring you back hey man thank you for having me man i hope uh your butt feels better <laughs> we was in here talking put some, about put some context behind it yeah <laughs> and he been he been working out man so yeah his bottom his gluteus maximus is hurting <laughs> but yeah everybody that's been another episode of sit down with swaggy shoes uh remember to keep god in your life um pray pray and um don't feel like you can't do something. You can always do anything you put your mind through. And remember, remember with your mental health, if you're going through it, get help. That is why we're talking about it because I felt like God put it on my heart to come on here and share that, that stat and that, you know, that all that information so you guys can be okay with getting help. Like, it is okay to go through stuff. We all go through stuff. I've been through stuff. Bull's been through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff. So with that being said, don't feel like you're weak for wanting to get help because closed mouths don't get fed. So if you don't get help, you're just going to be hungry for help and you're just not going to get it. So make sure you get some help. But with that being said, we're out. Peace.